the smell of napalm in the morning. Smell! You know that gasoline smell? It smells like... Victory. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Well, and welcome back to Stockton Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Craig Pappas on the board. SB Futures up a buck and a half. As that Futures down 24, we're shooting for like a fourth day of rally here. We see if we uh, actually make that a fifth day of rally. Uh, we'll see if we get it. Uh, yesterday was strong, but not as strong as a couple days before, but we'll see what happens today. If the rally's getting long in the tooth, if it's really a bear market rally or if it's a bull market rally, we will see. Do we have the Professor Lou? Yeah, so my my question is, what if it's one of those split squat, side straddle, double flip markets that you you have on you have described on your, uh, your mouse pad over there? Those are option positions. <laughs> We're talking about the uh, the call backspread, the protective put. We're talking about the uh, all kinds of stuff here. Oh, there, yeah. There's that, that long straddle. I, that mouse pad was one of the most interesting. You like that the mouse pad was was one of the most interesting things. I uh, you thought the long straddle was some kind of fetish. No, I thought I thought you were engaged. I thought you were were describing pornographic film moves. Yeah, I'll see. When, uh, yeah. when I first read that thing, I, it caused me to almost uh, you know spit my coffee out there at Stocks and Jocks yeah. World Headquarters yeah. Breakfast Buffet. That's so, right, at the big buffet, uh, just like at the White House, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what that's what goes on there. Anyway, I'm 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 good. I want to thank you for adding in one of my favorite all-time movie quotes from Apocalypse Now to uh, to lead us in this morning. There you go. Uh, was that, that, that uh, Robert, was Robert Duvall, right? Yes, oh yeah. Yeah, one of a very, a very, very young Robert Duvall and uh, playing... Just again, giving one of those roles that, uh, and I think, I think that role predated. I'm sure it did. Predated his uh, his role in the Great Santini, which, it, in my opinion, is still one of the best um, one of the best dramas I've I've ever I've ever seen. It was um, Pat, uh, what's his face, uh, the writer at the at the absolute top of the arc of his uh, of his writing powers and uh, that the book itself is fantastic and the movie was very true to the book and to the listeners who haven't watched it if you want to see some fantastic acting performances uh, go 
go watch that film. I uh, first movie I remember seeing him in. I think it was almost like a little a, a breakout role in sort of a a bit part. It was almost like Jack Nicholson in uh, Easy Rider. It was well, a, arguably, arguably this role in this um, in Apocalypse Now was a bit part. I mean, he was he wasn't he wasn't on the stage or wasn't on the screen for. Well, he was the he was the cab driver in Bullet. Remember? Yes, that's right. And I'm like. I remember watching that. I was I was young. And I go, God, who's that guy? He's pretty good. <laughs> and I just I, mean, I don't know much, that much about acting. And I'm like, this guy's pretty good. The cab driver. And uh, remember when? Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Bullet, uh, Greg, but in a scene where they're trying to figure out what what the person did uh, around the side, he, he got the same cab and he took the cab from the it was the top of the mark, wasn't it? The Mark Hopkins. And he said, I want you to do every whatever he did. And he said, Okay, if you pull over here for. a a phone call. All right, pull over, stop. However long he was on the phone, and uh, the cab driver was uh, Robert Duvall with uh, Steve McQueen. Who I always thought it was a spectacular. And he was too. hunting the drug dealer. Yeah, he was hunting the drug yeah. dealer. Right. And then, uh, and it lobbed into the chase and everything. And uh, Robert Vaughn was in there. Robert Vaughn was such a was such an ass, wasn't he? Uh, That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, you you think about you think about how um, how many of these roles were were cast with these guys jumping back and forth and back and forth between you know weekly TV shows and and the big screen and and sometimes it was hard to keep them to keep them straight although the man the man from uncle by that time which was how I always think of Robert Vaughn oh yeah the man from uncle was uh was was long gone um but yeah I you know I, I was remarking to my to my wife I guess a couple of nights ago we were watching some streaming series that we follow. And By the way, Kevin just, uh, Kevin popped in. He also played a uh, Frank Burns in the movie Mash. I forgot that. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, he had. I mean, he was he was a spectacular actor, and uh, it wasn't what was it tender. He was Oscar nominated for uh, for the great Santini. He finally got it, I think, for what Tender Mercies. I think so. Yeah, I, uh, Best actor I'm award. surprised that Robert Duvall was. Uh, one of the few guys that was able to go back and forth uh, between movies and TV because in those days the TV guys were considered second class citizens and you didn't see too many people jump and if you went, if you went to TV from movies you were considered a loser right? That, well that's right and that this goes back to what I was about to say which was we were watching something some streaming program and I, and I just told her that I don't know when I've ever had so much good television you know, to to watch because because of, as you've noted, Chief, that line I think has been really blurred. Yeah, yeah. There now, and it may have it may have started really getting getting noticeable with uh, the Sopranos and The Wire and Breaking Bad and Mad Men, where you had really first class dramas that could could play over you know extended periods years. Well, you started you started with the remember those uh, uh, what do they used to call them miniseries. Yes, you know, like the on wind, TV. Yeah, like yeah, the, the Winds of War, and then you had a uh, what was the one about the the priest in in uh, Australia, Thornbirds oh, or something. Or the, the, the yeah. Thornbirds, yeah. But they were all they. Were, but I, I think you know, to be honest, I, I mean, this is, I'm not a history ever since it's kind of an interesting subject because it is part of the the industry. I think the person who changed a reel out of this is uh, that was the guy's name, Bach, Steve Bochco. when he put. Hill Street Blues on TV. I he I like to uh, yeah I think of that. So that was another golden age of television where you had you had some very very innovative and creative 
story writers and then they begin to merge and I first noticed it with Miami Vice and then with Hill Street yeah. Blues they begin to merge we didn't merge a signal here we sort of lost a little in, there you go as, enter, as entertaining as something like Magnum P.I. was well you're, you're going in and out here somehow as your mash was you're going in and out. You're you're, you're in for oh, two minutes and then you're out for a minute. Better now. Yes. Okay. But I think you know it all, it's a it, it almost it almost was it. I, I there was a, there was a flavor. For example, one of the scenes there's this great scene I believe in the first season of Miami Vice, where you have a bad guy who who you know he's shooting he's shooting some people. I'm not sure whether he's just a serial killer or high on drugs. Anyway. He shoots a couple of people, and one of the guys is trying to crawl away, and he comes up to him with a gun and he goes, you don't look so bad. Here's another, and he shoots him again. And I, I, I almost bolted out of my chair when I first saw that because those were the words that Bernard Getz, the New York subway shooter, said to one of his victims, allegedly said to one of his victims when he, when he shot him in the subway. But that had happened like six months prior, and they incorporated that into the screenplay along with all of that fantastic music. Well, the uh, I, I've always been fascinated um, by a lot of the stuff you see as, as, as being advancements in the shows themselves really were advancements in technology, and they were advancements in uh, the kind of TVs people thought they had at home. In other words, when Johnny Carson said that when he first started the show, one of the questions was, why didn't you ever use use the band more. He had this fantastic band and he had a really good band leader. He said because the average speaker in a TV when we started was like two inches. And it wasn't until we made the determination that enough people had gotten bigger TVs with better speakers, maybe even stereo, that we decided to play more music. And in the if you, if you watch I use the example of I Love Lucy or the Jackie Gleason show, something like that. Not so much the not so much the uh, the latest Jackie Gleason show. That was in color and everything else. But it was only one person talking, and it was a scene. But they they didn't think that you could handle the TV could handle more. Now Hill Street Blues, Bachko said, you know, enough people can deal with this now. They had all kinds of noise in the background, and mm-hmm. and basically two and three scenes happening all at once. Yeah. And if you look at the two together, it's it's not just a writer. It's 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 a it's a technological leap where you figure either people had the ability to have a TV that could handle this, or they were going to go get one. And then there was there was a time to do that. It was. You know, it was almost like the Clockwork Orange of of TV, where it's the world's worst movie. But the what, the guy, uh, the camera angle. Orange, a Clockwork Orange is, in my opinion, brilliant. But well, but you, you only want to watch it once. It's the world's darkest movie. But oh, it's yes, yeah, yeah it, it's pretty dark. But but you've you've got to admit that it'll change your whole perception of I'm the song I'm singing in the rain. Oh yeah, but I mean the the idea it's, it's all about technology, sort of as you go. And you know you know what's the, the weirdest thing? You know who invented? Uh, uh, reruns. I learned about no. this. Cause I, you have, you have any, any idea? And, no. and what And how they came about? At the end of a TV show, the live shows, like the I Love Lucy show and the Honeymooners and all that stuff, they would just, that was it. Well, when, when Lucy got pregnant and she wasn't going to be on for a while, Desi Arnaz, who, who actually was a, a brilliant innovator in the, in the arts, he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take the tape. He, he kept the tapes of the older shows, and he said, let's just play those while she's, you know, six to nine months pregnant. And they did, and they were a huge hit. 
that was that was the first time there was ever a rerun. And I was, am that. I mean, when you think about how the industry has has changed, and and, and I'll I'll just I'll make an interesting note on on this show that we're watching. Um, it it it's really dramatic. So we we went back and watched the original Star Trek, the TOS series. Yeah. Um, well, that was just, just that was our, that was uh, Desi Lu. It was Desi Lu, and which caused me to think of it, and and it is it is still in certain aspects some of the hokiest TV you've ever seen in your life. Oh yeah, including the fight scenes. I mean, we're just because you know, because there were a number of fight scenes where Kirk or Spock or somebody was in a in a fist fight, and and they're terrible. They're terrible, and, and I mean part of it reflects the low production cost. They just couldn't put. A, they just couldn't pump, uh, pump a lot of money into into each uh, sequence. But well, we I got mean, less and less more. every year, kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was it was evident. It was evident, for example, in a number of the fight scenes that Kirk is the guy who's the the stunt double that they've got in there for Captain Kirk didn't even bother to change the way his hair was styled. I mean, he, they just threw him into a uniform and said, "Here, you know, go yeah, in there and yeah. do your do your thing." I mean, it was it it's just awful. Um, notwithstanding the fact that some of the storylines. Are, are, in, are incredibly creative. Watching that and as that developed, and then comparing it to Strange New Worlds, which we're we're also watching, is is absolutely hysterical in terms of the writing, in terms of of the acting, and it it's a function, I think, in in large part, with with money and and the set creation that they could the world that they could they could create. CGI obviously is a huge part of that because animation. You know, in 1965, 66, and 67, was was all hand drawn. Oh yeah, even the first Star Wars was hand drawn. Right. So so the the use of the use of that stuff dramatically alters what you can what you. Can well, the first time about. the difference when uh, we we started this conversation about the difference between TV and how TV has essentially come up to match uh, yeah. movies. Did you ever actually be part of a movie set? I mean, I think I've been on one or two. I was actually, well, I'll say I was part of one. I was hunkered down in the back seat. These guys were filming a, uh, what the hell was the name of the movie? Um, they they took Van Buren and they put all these different lights up and they made the, the building just to the east of the CBOE. was a hotel back in the, God knows when, 20s. They made it back into a hotel and they were filming this scene in the alley between there and Bonavino's where this guy was coming out and he was going to get blasted. The movie was, uh, God, I can't even remember, but... I walk out, of the, walk out of the bar one night after having a couple of cocktails, and there's all these old cars. So I start BSing with this guy in this old car, and he goes, well, hey, I'm stuck here all night. Hop in. Let's talk about old cars. So I'm in the back seat. I'm in this, this like 40-something Buick with a mohair back seat. It was unbelievable. I'm sitting back there going, God, this thing's neat. Well, what they did, they had all these, you know, they're filming. This is film film. I mean, it's not videotaping. Yeah. And, uh, Again, was it against the mob? Not, whatever I don't know where it was, but the the guys got it, it's raining, but that wasn't raining hard enough, so he still had the sprinklers on the roof. So the guy goes, "All right, here we go." So we drive around Van Buren, and we're we're coming from the east to the west, and it, and as the person pulls out of the the alley and they blast him, they got a bunch of people with fedoras. They stop the regular sidewalk people, and a bunch of guys with the old coats and the fedoras like he wore in the '30s go go tromping down Van Buren, and then all the cars go by, and we're one of the cars. So all of a sudden, this just took, you know, an hour to set up. Yeah. All of a sudden, the guy's like, ah, this, this ball, we can't. We get, no, this light, move that light an inch to the right, 
move the, you know, we need a little more water, even though it was already raining, it wasn't raining hard enough. I mean, it, they were there all night long for filming, like, like maybe a 30-second scene. Well, do you, do you remember, and I, I walked, I walked across these sets as they were being disassembled, or in some cases assembled. Do you remember when they were filming Batman? Yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in Chicago. So the whole north, sort of north end of the loop was, was just a staging area. As, as you would walk through in the morning, I, I would come into work early and walk across the loop to, to get to my office, and you would you would see parking lots of old style police cars with you know with the bubbles on top, yeah, yeah. and the and the you know Gotham City Police Department. <laughs> there'd be like there'd be like thirty like thirty cars, and and uh, you know just they literally would have to shut down for filming because they they couldn't they couldn't recreate apparently or didn't want to recreate. The uh, the backdrop for for much of the action. Part of it is because Chicago has such fantastic city architecture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so they they were very they were very limited in in what they could apparently what they wanted to do, and they wanted a certain a certain feel that you don't get from CGI. So so this was they were shooting all those live shots with uh, the Batmobile and the chases and all that. And then and then the other one that I've that I've uh, been on was the Transformers set. Where they were, um, they were jumping those guys from I think it's Trump Tower with the wingsuits on. Oh really? Okay. Having them fly down the fly down the Chicago River, uh, and then activate their parachutes. I, I I was I stopped and watched them film that uh, from uh, you know from from a slight distance, and um, yeah, it, you know the, the the technical expertise to capture all of that, and because you only want to, I mean it was a dangerous jump. Um, in between buildings with a wingsuit on, you know, a gust of air, and you're, you're all of a sudden you don't have lift anymore. So you only want to do this once. <laughs> and so they had cameras everywhere, and these guys, these guys make the jump. They had helicopters up. Now I assume they would shoot most of that with drones, you know, the follow footage. But uh, but they had helicopters up at that point, you know, like three or four helicopters up with various film angles and cameras mounted on gantries off the side of buildings to catch you know like you know half seconds or third of a second of of shots as these guys well, if you ever want to see uh, uh an interesting scene because um, I, I was here when they were when i was saying it was here we used to do trade checking on saturday mornings and there was a saturday i come down here it started friday night with all these trucks and i'm like holy what, what are these guys doing well the saturday dawns it has to be a mid-90s minimum right not a cloud in the sky and they're filming the, the scene from uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where John Candy gets there and he's got nowhere to go. He's on the, he's on the L platform. That's a, that's a great movie, too. Yeah, and well, you need to. You need to. You maybe you should watch it for two reasons. Um, most of it was shot in the old LaSalle Street station right before they tore it down to build the SIBO. So this had to be 1981, 80, maybe 82. But you could actually, they, a lot of the scenes were in the old station, and the rest of them are out on the L platform, which pretty much is the same today as it was then. And the interesting part, they op- one of the bars, Arthur Cutton's opened up just for the day, for lunches and stuff. For the- They had all these people there. Lou, it, was, it was a scene that was supposed to be filmed in wintertime. It was Christmas, right? Well, of course, it's 95 and bright sun. So they got all these ice trucks on the bottom, and they're grinding up ice and pumping them up there, pumping up the shavings with like this, what do you use when you, when you shove cement up? Or concrete up for the second floor, and those little things, the little pumpers. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they're pumping the ice up onto the L, or the L platform, and I get some guys 
shoveled it to make it look like it's you know the L platform had just gotten shoveled, and it's and they used some I don't know what kind of filter they used because it looked like it was absolutely dark and dingy day, when in fact it was bright sunlight. This it took them all day. That scene can't be, is it two minutes? It took them all day to do it, ninety-five degree. And they must have had they must have had hundred people here. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's no mystery. It's no mystery to me how uh, these budgets, film budgets, either go over, <laughs> or or how they have such large large budgets. It in the first place, it's an incredibly labor intensive. Yeah, and and you know, it, it's not the, the the actual camera work is not something that you can do robotically. I mean, eventually AI and will be able to replicate a lot of this, but but. The, you know, for for placement of cameras, for for placement of lighting angles, I mean that's one of the things that that Kubrick, who I I mentioned earlier, if you look at his movies, was so good at. Oh, I yeah. mean, his meticulous filming. Um, of course, he he also he also demanded, I I think out of a certain sense of sadism, demanded uh, his actors and actresses, you know, perform certain scenes. Over and over and over again because he was just trying to get her. Yeah, he was, he was nutty about that. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he broke. Uh, what's her face? The uh, woman that she played the uh, the female lead in The Shining. Um, and I always don't. Oh yeah, I know, I know. But the uh, the black and white guys were the same way. I mean, some of the stuff the their use of lighting was even more incredible than they than they are in the in the color, the film noir versions like your. Was about Fred McMurray and then uh, double it, double indemnity. We yeah. just we just watched that about uh, six months ago. But I just, we had a dash here to break and talk about other stuff. But one of the first shows that really spent a bunch was almost like a movie. Was uh, what was the uh, Boardwalk Empire? They actually built a huge set of the Boardwalk where they filmed it at. They, I mean, which only a movie would do. No TV show ever did. Was no, it, was, and and and. But again, this reflects the sort of the golden yeah. age kind of kind of look that we're, we're getting here because they could afford to put the money in. Somebody said, yep. we're going to make this run for more than one season and we're going to put the money into it. Well, you mentioned a whole, uh, Magnum P.I. You know, like the only reason for that show was they had a huge uh, area like a, well, I guess it had been a plantation um, that they filmed uh, what the hell was it? Uh, what the, Hawaii Five-0. And the show ended abruptly, and they had nothing to do with the property, so they said we need another show, and that's how they, that's how Magnum PI got there. But uh, real quick, before we get a break, the the greatest line ever, and well, one of the greatest was, uh, remember the the uh, in the Boardwalk Empire, like in one of the first show or two, the guy, what they bumped off a, a truck of booze or something, Nucky. I don't I don't remember the scene. So well then they ahead. well then they, they they bump off another one, and Nucky doesn't even know about it. So the guy walks up and he goes. Here's your share, and he goes. I didn't have anything to do with it, and the guy says, "Nucky, you can't be half a gangster. You're either in or you're out." That's right. <laughs> what a great line! Let's be features up five days. If features down one, come back talk about some business and world events. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. 
Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR. Innovation in Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Station Jacks. I'm Tamal Greg on the board. Just remember, you can't be half a traitor, Greg. You're either in or you're out. Just like Nucky. Can't be half a gangster. Not that, they're, not that traitors are gangsters. I'm not accusing you of that. Buy or buy not. There buy is no buy, short. Buy or buy not. Don't ever just, just get in. The Fed's got your back and buy. SP Futures up 7. NASDAQ Futures up 11. We didn't make... The buy the dippers are seriously back. Seriously back this week. Uh, we'll see how long they stay. They got bloodied last week, but they are a res- they are a resilient lot. Um, and all you have to do is watch TV, and they keep telling you, "Bye, bye, bye." As if, and by the way, they, they were right this week. Not that they were wrong. As they features, uh, like I said, are, down, are up 950. This all just bounced in the last minute here. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 79.5 percent. FTSE down one buck. Let's call that one flat. CAC around down 18.2 percent. So a little. Uh, uh, they're higher. European markets higher, although they're not really. They're mixed. Uh, Swiss Bank is up five percent. I'm not sure why that is, but they are. We're in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 285.9 percent. We have Hang Seng down 100.5 percent. We got Shanghai down 17.5. So they're in different directions, like they have been uh, over there uh, in a while. Maybe they don't really go the same way too often, which is kind of surprising actually. Uh, Dow yesterday was up 37. S&P up 17. Nasdaq up 75. Uh, so an up day, but uh, nowhere near the day or two before, but still maintaining the streak, and so far we're doing it again today. Bonds uh, down two basis points, 409. The Bund down five basis points, 249. Japan down 1.64. So we had a little bit of a, a, a rally in the bonds yesterday. Uh, oil uh, down up 66 cents, 82.29, over 82, so way past the 80 number we've been was flipping back and forth across. Uh, Brent up 64 cents, 86.50. Natural gas up 3 cents, 282. Arbob up 3 cents, 284. We've got gold down a buck 30, but 1971, higher than it's been in a, in a, in a, in a while. The monthly loss is only a little bit now. It was down a lot. Silver down 18 cents, 24.91 again. As soon as it got to 25, somebody's a seller. Copper down 3 cents, 375. We've got Bitcoin. 
up 43, 27,284. And the U.S. dollar, which has been a little volatile lately, is, is up today again. Uh, 108 is uh, in the euro and 126 on the pound. So it's uh, it's been on the low side of the 109, 127 that it had been for a while. So dollar's been a little stronger. What do you have for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? Traffic, this sucks. Yep, as usual. Morning, everyone. 6.35 a.m. Chicago, we've got brilliant sunshine today. Nice end to August is actually what it says on the uh, on the site here. 62 degrees right now, about 74 today. Phoenix, 90 right now, about 108 today. However, there are heat and asthma warnings. So that's uh, unfortunate if you're in Phoenix. Thunderstorms tonight will give a little bit of relief for those. Traffic, Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 16 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 35 minutes. Ike, Wolf to the interchange, 26 minutes. Dan Ryan, the locals, 9050 to the interchange is about 17 minutes. Stevenson, I-294 to the Ryan is 26 minutes. And the Bishop Ford interchange uh, via the Dan Ryan is 14 minutes. Sports, we got White Sox uh, winning in Baltimore, 10 to 5. Cubs beat the Brewers, 3 to 2 at Wrigley. So that's two in a row for the Cubs. And Diamondbacks were shut out by the Dodgers, 0 to 7. And that was after yesterday, 1 to 9. Ouch. Uh, that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Lou, the, uh, as they say, baseball is, is a game of inches, right? The, the Cubs, uh, let's put it this way, the big guy upstairs was smiling on him yesterday. In the last inning, they, they've been playing these guys. They shut out those guys, the Brewers the night before, one zip. The score, Cubs scored one in the first, and it held up, right, which is really something. Uh, but last night, or yesterday afternoon, they're <laughs> this is how, how baseball can be if it's, if it's not your day. The... Uh, Brewers got this guy playing right where he's supposed to. You know, he's not in the shift or anything, but he's real close to second base. So the batter whacks one up the middle. This is the Cub batter. Somehow hits the pitcher right on his heel of his shoe and skitters off towards third, and, and, and the guy makes it the first, and that's the RBI. Right? So now in the, this is the bottom of the eighth. So on the top of the ninth, the Brewers get a guy on. And he, he heads to steal second. This is with... Uh, with uh, two outs. He has to steal second to, make, you know, to get the running run in scoring position. Yeah. And the shortstop runs over to, to uh, cover second, and the batter smokes one right up the middle, which would have been a hit, right to the shortstop, who's now standing on second, catches the ball, <laughs> catches the game's over. <laughs> so one one hit w- was, was going to be caught by the Brewers, glances off the pitcher's heel, and the next inning, one is going to be a hit. Goes right to a guy because the guy stole was trying to steal a base. Well, you know, it's some days you eat the bear, and some days the bear eats you. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, so that, what's uh what's what's world news here? Anything? Any, I wanted I wanted to to talk about a, a, a sort of a case, a weird case here in Colorado that that is you know it went viral because of the stupidity of the school official involved, but. To point out two things: number one, the stupidity of the school official involved, and, and the second is the 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 manipulation that was going on, and and how a number of people here in Colorado have jumped on it. So, a kid there's a kid in a school here in Colorado Springs who is is you know kind of kind of a, a I would call him a troublemaker. Um, so he has a backpack that he puts a bunch of sticker of uh, patches on. And he wears this backpack around, and it, you know, I don't know, was he 11, 12, something like that? And um, the school is unhappy because it's run by 
a more progressive element. They're unhappy that he's got, for example, on his backpack, he had some picks and patches with pictures of guns and political slogans. And, and he also had a Gadsden flag patch. And the Gadsden flag is the coiled rattlesnake, you know, up, uh, ready to strike with the words, don't tread on me. So famous, famous flag. I actually have one. Um, a famous, famous Revolutionary War flag. Uh, designed by uh, Gadsden, the, the head of the militia of South Carolina, and, and adopted by Franklin and a number of other people. So, probably one of the most recognizable uh, Revolutionary War flags of of, of all, and, and a classic, flown flown by a number of ships and and you know battle units. Anyway, so the kid has this on there. So the school gets upset about the gun patches, and and they they say you got to take those off. And apparently that wasn't an issue. The the kid's parents said, "Yeah, okay, fine. We'll 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 remove them." I think you could make a I think you could make a, a pretty good First Amendment ar- argument based on Supreme Court precedent that he was allowed to have those since they did not prohibit other political patches, you know, things like Biden for president and things like that. But anyway, he t- take those off, and then they tell him he's got to lose the Gadsden flag patch, and and he, his parents go, or the kid himself goes, "No." Why do I have to take that off? And you, you, there's a video. They, they, um, videotaped the mother, videotaped the interview with the kid and the teacher and the mother. And, and this woman is saying, the teacher is saying, well, because it, it has its roots in slavery. And the, the mom, who is actually smarter than the teacher, says, no, it's a revolutionary war symbol. And, and this woman says, well, you know, it's upsetting to some of the students because of the slavery connection. And the mother again says, no, it's not a slavery indication. And and so this, this they tell him he's got to take the patch off or he can't come back to school. So the, um, you know, the, the mother, the parents put the video out on the internet and say, this is idiotic. And this is a patriotic symbol and it's as much on a, appropriate on a backpack as the American flag. And, and the, you know, this firestorm then starts to rain down on, on this school, as it probably should. I mean, even the governor of Colorado, who is why don't we, you know, why don't a Democrat. Say, I'm going to give my, my Southside Catholic upbringing. <clears throat> a, we didn't have backpacks. And B, why do you have anything on them? Well, and that's, but, but the thing is, they don't want to prohibit certain messaging. They want Black Lives Matter. They want the rainbow patches. They, they, they authorize, they allow all of that. Well, the answer should be none. Well, that, that's where I would go. I would say, you know what? We, we, this is, we're going we're gonna to end up offending somebody, so we're just going to deny anybody the right to put this up there. There are some legal issues with respect to, to which ones of these you do but, and, and how you do it. But, but the short answer is, if you allow the the use or the uh, display of all kinds of political stuff on these on these kids backpacks you cannot engage in what's called viewpoint discrimination and that's what this is viewpoint discrimination with with respect to this particular this particular patch and the, the way they were trying to justify it is to say well my god this is like a conservative white supremacy patch and 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 we're gonna we're gonna prohibit it um and so it it really Anyway, that, I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm starting to be an autocrat here. How about like no political statements from 11 year olds that parents have to get involved in? I I, I agree. This the simple solution would be to say, you know what, we're just going to strike all of them, and that would be that would be one way of dealing with it. Um, they didn't want to do that. 
their their focus was on a particular type of of display, and that's what they that's, that's what they went that's, after. That's nuts. So so it it it's stupid in that respect. So the story gets out. The governor of Colorado weighs in on this and says, you know, this is ridiculous. It's a it's a historical flag. It it, it it's part of our history. Da da da. So the school backs down, but they back down by saying, you know, he had gun patches on his bag, and and we told him to take him off. This 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 display was part of a bunch of gun patch displays, and and it was fascinating. First of all, that answer is is as we say in the in the legal biz, you know, bovine scatology, because because the gun thing was not the gun patches were never an issue. Apparently, they took they asked him to take them off, and they they took them off. There's no reference to gun patches in this this video discussion, but. But the school, in an effort to deflect and and try to, you know, confuse people about what was actually going on, puts this story out, and that's the story that gets run with, on on all of the, you know, mainstream what I call the mainstream press outlets. You know, they they jump they jump on this to the extent they cover the story at all. They said he had a bunch of patches on his book, guns, and, and it's really it's just interesting trigger. The minute you put the fact that the kid had a gun patch on his bag, this somehow justifies. Everybody else goes, "Oh, well, now we understand why he was dangerous. We understand why this yeah. was a threat to other students." Yeah. The picture of a gun is a threat to a bunch of people. Yeah, well, it's. Uh, anyway, my my point is, uh, it, people it, jumped on that, and 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 it's it's just another dude, marker. This total, this total lack of common sense and all this stuff is crazy. It, it's it's a total it, it's a it's a good example of you know a the the stupid messaging which is we're we're going to engage in viewpoint discrimination because our job is not to challenge ideas our job is to suppress them that's the first part the second part is when we are challenged we're going to throw these other trigger points out here that our you know our allies our colleagues will immediately seize on and and use that as a way of deflecting well, the, the fact schools, that you guys were violating the First Amendment. The charter schools here in the city, uh, one of my friends uh, works in the building, Salvador, his son goes to one on the south side. Those kids are wearing sport coats and ties. I don't know if they wear ties, but I think they do. I mean, yeah, when we were in grammar school, you wore, they really wore them in uniform. The, the girls did, and the guys wore, you know. Tom, you know, Tom I mean, I'm with you. You don't need all this crap. No. The idea is you're there to learn. That's what you're here for. Yeah, you know, we've had this discussion before, but you, you know that the what's what the most successful non-ultra selective schools in Chicago are or were at least at the time I was I was living out there. They were your ROTC, the schools with ROTC units in them. Probably, yeah. they're, they're called JROTC units. Those kids wore uniforms to school. They had they had very strict uh, uh, appearance standards and and and. You know, absolute conformance to to those appearance standards and to conduct standards, and and those programs were the most successful. They were actually for a while funded by uh, by the Department of Justice's anti drug uh, operation because they were the most effective way of keeping kids out of gangs, off drugs, and giving them something to to focus on. One of one of the things we I, there was a school uniform debate when I was in. I was in high school in Minnesota, and and I remember distinctly remember a number of parents getting up and saying, "You know what? If you wear uniforms, we don't get wrapped around the axle of social, you know, standard 
you know, our uh, social status and who's got more money and oh, yeah. who's got this and who's got that. Everybody, everybody's in the same boat and, and with, a, with regard to appearance, which I, I remember thinking about, and, and I was, I was a goofball in high school. I really didn't care very much about what I wore. And I, I showed up sometimes looking pretty, pretty scruffy, I think, but, but I remember thinking to myself, if we all if we all had this on, it would be it would be really something because you would not have the the distraction even then in the seventies the distraction of you know girls wearing skirts that were you know cut too short or guys wearing wearing you know skin tight t shirts and looking yeah. like greasers and that whole thing that all disappears with uniforms. What uh, on the on the national stage now because we got to tie this a little bit back into the. Marty, what, what is what is going on? Uh, Russia, uh, Putin's not going to go to the funeral. I hear of this guy. Um, that's just, that's a shocker. Uh, is there anything around that that is going to is is a potential lightning bolt for the market one way or the other? I mean, this morning the the, the news is you, you have a big shot up in your marijuana stocks because somebody just says maybe we're going to make these a class three drug instead of yeah. a class one and. You know, it's I don't you know, Lou. I'm, I'm not know that much about that stuff and whether. All I know is we've done this for several years now, and I can't walk next to the expressway without smelling pot. So is are 90 percent of the people, 50 percent, 30 percent, driving along high? I, I see the incredible amount of people driving like idiots. Is that part of it? I mean, how much of this stuff is getting the young kids, the gummies, uh, Lollapalooza? It was all over the place. I mean, if we had a chance to give any kind of an idea of where we're going on this before we go further. Uh, um, I, I could just I could just tell you that that here in Colorado, there where you know, which is one of the first states to decriminalize it, there is a significant assessment that uh, by significant assessment, I mean a number of people who who pushed for this stuff, saying that this was a mistake for for a couple of reasons, mainly revolving around the fact that this, the the marijuana, the dope, the weed, whatever you want to call it, that's out there now is much more potent than the stuff that was on the market and on the streets. Oh yeah, it's, it's real strong. When, when this was done, um, there is it is it's illegal here in Colorado, as it is in a lot of places that have legalized to smoke in public, and yet you cannot go. I I, I refuse to go to Red Rocks anymore for for concerts because the smell of dope is is so heavy and prevalent. They are not willing to do that. The, the, the cities and the states are not willing to do the kind of enforcement of public use of this stuff. Well, there's, there's none. I mean, there's no enforcement well, well, of anything. Well, I, I, I mean, I yeah. mean, you might as well. I, I'm I'm almost tempted to take up cigar smoking, or or pipe smoking, Just cigar smoking, probably, because that's and, and start doing that out in the open and watch how fast you see people react to that. Um, it 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 is. It's everywhere. Um, it's it's significant. It's a significant uh, marker. For for brain damage and psychological damage, especially in kids, um, it is it is this powerful stuff is addictive, and and you know I mean that was the old line about it. it it's not addictive. It is uh, especially for young people when they when they get hooked on it, and it's it's proving to be exactly what, and I think it's a, again a function of the strength. It's proving to be exactly what people warned about. In the in the 60s and 70s, it's a gateway drug 
it it has it has addictive properties and it's addictive to to especially young people it is it is why is the stuff that's sold now I mean, why why i mean i don't always say why why is it so much why is it allowed to be sold four times more powerful than the stuff my buddy smoked in college why, I, why, does, I, that, I why, why does that be that strong well, I, I don't know because I, I think I assume it's because we don't really have any way of testing, um, you know, effects on people, and and that this industry is still you know in its infancy. But but I I agree. I mean, there should be some way of, way of doing that. The other thing that's funny here, Chief, you know, this was supposed to this was supposed to stop the illegal drug trade and take away the incentives. Oh, it hasn't. It, it it's hasn't. not. The, the 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 illegal drug trade is is flourishing. A lot of the um, illegal drug trade is, some of it, is between the people who have the medical cards versus the recreational because it's so much cheaper. And, they're, and they're, there's no this whole this whole concept. I mean, if uh, even even a young guy like Greg, if he have, all of a sudden has, uh, you know, has to be on penicillin for three months, which I don't know why he would, but uh, you're going to get 90 pills, right, one per day when you get your prescription. You you don't just get a blanket. Go buy all the penicillin you want. Yet the marijuana. Once you get your medical thing, you can buy crap every day. There, there's no. There's no. If you go to the doctor and say, I, you know, I, I was a victim of Agent Orange or something. I need to take some marijuana every day because it can be a painkiller. It can help people out. I mean, it, it can be medicinal. It can. It can. Yes. I mean, but you would think that they would say, okay, Tom. You're gonna you get one gummy morning and night so you can sleep better and blah blah blah. Well, that that's right. We don't have the remember that Toradol uh, lawsuit with the NFL players that you and I were talking yeah. about. That where where you and I discovered to our our delight that in fact if you if you load up on a prescription for for Toradol and you go out and try to renew it, get another doctor to renew it. There's a national database that flags you as as taken over or over uh, overdosing on this stuff and over purchasing it i don't believe there is such a thing for for no there definitely is not there definitely is not so you can so and so yeah you can you can go from from shop to shop to shop well chief anybody looking at our drug death overdoses or uh, drug overdose deaths in in the last 10 to 15 years now most of it's fentanyl or opioids but the idea that we were going to somehow get our handle, get a handle on the drug overdose problem and the drug use problem by legalizing it was an idiotic idea initially, and 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 yet it's being tried. It's being tried here in Colorado, and you know you you it's a misdemeanor if you've got a small amount of fentanyl or heroin or or some other you know category one high power drug in your possession. It's not even worth prosecuting. When did uh, I guess I, I I don't know maybe I shouldn't know but. Uh, there were there were a lot of drugs flourishing in in uh, in college. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Jessica, who used to work for us on, on the show, I mean, uh, all kinds of problems with her brother, and I won't go into all that. But um, you know, she said to me one day, Chief, how come you talk about a lot of drugs when you were in college, you know, in the NAM era, and yet there wasn't the same kind of problems? And I said, I I'd, I'd have to I'd have to my answer always, my reflex reaction, everything, Lou, is in the money. And I knew guys that smoked marijuana every day. Uh, might have had, even had a couple of roommates like that. Uh, but it was much weaker stuff. It was inexpensive. I never saw any cocaine. I never saw any heroin. I never saw anything like that. So nobody was in debt to anybody. I mean, uh, the, the, the thing was you bought 
you know, when you bought a, if you bought a pound of weed, you basically cut it up in, in 16 ounces, and you, you sold 15 to your buddies, and you had yours for free. And, and, a, and a lid was, what, 8 bucks, something like that? Uh, don't, don't, don't talk to me about this, because the school I went, not only would they kick you out of school if you were found with that stuff, they would court-martial you. Well, so. I understand it, but, but what I'm saying is there was no... Nobody owed their guy like thirty grand for coke or, or, or heroin or anything like that. The first time I ever saw any of that stuff was when I got to the trading floor, where there was big money in it. There was, there was no money in any of this stuff in college that I knew of. I mean, it was, no, I mean nobody made. I mean, the guy who brought the pound there, could you, you could go out on a highway in Indiana and just harvest the stuff. I mean, because there used to be uh, government hemp farms in Indiana. So if you were if you had the balls enough, you'd go out at night in your car and see someone on the side of a cornfield, get out throw some in the trunk, go home and dry it up. <laughs> that's, 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 no. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. And that stuff wasn't that powerful, like you say. But I don't, I don't know anybody who owed anybody any dough. And, that, and that's where kind of the money comes in, or, or when, the, when the problems come in, I think. Is if it's heroin and the other stuff, it's big money. And everybody owes everybody, and then somebody doesn't pay, and somebody gets whacked, and that's when you all start. It becomes, you know, uh, you know Capone days, right? And, and yes. the, the idea of having the, the stuff legalized is somehow to prevent all that. I don't know. At some point, you have to figure out, are we gaining on it or losing? And, and I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it is better than it was before. I, I don't think it is, but I don't know. I, I mean, the question is, does anybody care? Is we, is we gonna, are we just going down this road so fast we don't know how to stop? Well, it... it... The the circumstance here, and, and I, I use Colorado as an example because they they were on the vanguard of this tolerance thing. The 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 issue is, and, and the, the justification for for decriminalizing all of this was that we're going to remove the incentive for people to do this illegally, and and there will re, will reach a natural kind of a natural stasis point where where you know, you'll have some people using too much but most people will simply you know if they can get to it easily will eliminate the thrill of doing something illegal blah 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 okay great idea in theory it has a view of human nature however that is absolutely inconsistent with reality and it's playing out here i mean i mean and in and in places like san francisco and los angeles any any new york any place where they've got a progressive you know we don't really care about you know drugs it's not really a problem, you know. Do your own thing, and 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 we will we won't bother you. And and what we're finding, you know, is is people kill themselves. They not only kill themselves, they take people with them. They engage in crime to support those habits. Well, why why is it that they steal anything that's not nailed down? Well, you, well, you mentioned I mean, that, that it was it was a gateway drug. Now, I'm going to say that out of all the people I knew that loved to toke when they were in, in college, not one didn't get out of college and have a regular life, a family, a real job, and not one of them ever touched oxycodone, heroin, anything like that. I mean, okay, well, that's a relatively small sample. Yeah, oh yeah, because, without a doubt. Because you were dealing, you were dealing with people who were in college, a good college, and were had had a modicum of responsibility by the time they by the time they got there. I I think probably for adults using it, it's it's not as big a deal, but it definitely is a problem for high school. Well, I, I, never school high school. I, ne- I never saw it in high yeah. school. I never saw it in high school. Yeah, well, you see it, you see it here, and it definitely is a problem for high school and junior high kids, and and it is it is as I said it it's working, it's working chemical changes in in the brain, and, and and I I tie this most of this back to the potency, because as much dope as people smoked in the 60s and 70s and in the 50s that is not comparable to what's what's getting 
what's getting put into people oh, now. There's, there's no doubt. Um, hey, uh, yeah. we got like a minute. What, what uh, China, Ukraine, anything going to be an event for the market between now and next week? I'm thinking no, but you never know. Um, well, the Ukrainians are starting to have some success in uh, in Russia right now, and and there were widespread, as you know, as you may have seen, widespread drone attacks across Russia uh, day before yesterday. Um, they hit they hit airfields and uh, they hit the uh, Russian main chip manufacturing facility. Now, are, these, are, these, are, these, facility. are these things coming from Ukraine? What's what's the range in one of these things? Well, some of most of them are coming from Ukraine because they've got they've got the range, you know, a thousand fifteen hundred kilometer range really? on some of these wow. these drones. Wow. Yeah, and and so they're striking at targets well behind the the front lines now. So the question, the question that everybody's asking is, if you're Vladimir Putin, how much of this stuff do you tolerate before you before you start doing some serious damage to Ukraine? Well, they already have and, done every damage. No, not not. You're talking about nukes. Well, we'll talk. Let's worry about this next week, Lou. Have a good weekend. Uh, are you uh, are you yeah. mountain climbing and stuff for three days? What are you doing? I'm sorry. Are you, uh, you got a th- anything anything for Labor Day weekend? You guys going camping, mountain climbing, or anything like that? No, I'll be up. I'll be up. I'll be up in the mountains. We're going to uh, the Air Force home opener. Oh, good for you. SP Futures up 11. Nasdaq Futures up 19. Be right back, Mr. Danjanitis. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Look, you can't be half a gangster, Nucky. Not anymore. <laughs> what a what a great line. You can't be half. Were you talking about Dan Janitas? You can't be half a gangster. S and P futures up ten. Nasdaq futures up fifteen. Why did he play <laughs> that before you came on, Dan? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did he play that before you came on? You can't. Be yeah, half, I know. You can't be half a gangster, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, it was fun seeing you in town. Yeah, it was uh, great seeing you, you and your uh, group. The great guys. Uh, interesting. Enjoy. Interesting group. We uh, are having a lot of not necessarily fun this week with this shooting at Sox Park, back and forth, back and forth. Now, oh, yeah. now they're thinking that the lady didn't have it in the fold of uh, obesity. <laughs> this this is insane. Anyway, but let's it not talk insane. about that. Hey, uh, before we uh, get off on wacko topics, I'm looking at the Treasury uh, thing here from three months to 10, 30 year. This is out of Bloomberg now. Three months is 5.44, six months 5.51, 12 months 5.38, then it starts to slip down. Two years, 4.86. Five years, 4.24. Ten year, 4.09. And the 30 year kicks up a little, 4.21. Um, we have, uh, and they have these tips things, which I, I can't say that I really understand all that much. But uh, on the regular treasuries, Dan, where, where are you plunking, guys? We we did a bunch of people this week in the sixth month. Uh, yeah, a lot six, of that was on your months. advice, by the way. But they, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. And the sixth month is still the place to be. And for a couple reasons. I mean, you're getting the highest yield, you're getting your. Um, with the lowest amount of interest rate risk, right? Yeah. Because the shorter a bond is, the less it it, it is uh, impacted by changes in rates. Um, there will be a point when going out along the yield curve makes sense. And it already makes a little sense with corporate bonds. So maybe going out to 24, 25, even 28. So that would be a five-year corporate bond because you're getting 8.5% and that makes sense. Um, but in this environment, I would not build long We for a couple of reasons. One is um, we anticipate the Fed to continue to increase um, rates. I don't think this is over. Um, there is still inflation out there. There is still a tone amongst the Fed that we need to see more. Now, there's a lot of people out there who don't agree and you know think we're overdone and and it is possible that we have not seen the full impact. So I will definitely agree with that. So that may take some time. But in terms of investing, you can't go wrong with the six month that's paying. I think we were buying close to 5.6 because you can buy an off the run treasury, um, which is not buying at the auction that's trading just a little cheaper. So that's the way to go. And also the way that we trade, if you will, the way that we manage T-bills is we will sell out of those T-bills where the yield is dropped and where another one um, in the secondary market has you know a higher yield. So there is actually an active trading strategy. So you can make more than, than the 5.5 or 5.6, but if you are an individual, just buy and hold and you're gonna be sitting on some pretty good um, returns and if you're in you know Illinois or in the Chicago area, you're going to get that tax break too. I mean, you can't you, you got to love the tax break on the local and state tax. Yep. So um, that's a, a nice benefit, and it's still the risk-free rate. So, and if something's going to go wrong, you know, with with Treasuries, there's going to be a lot worse going on with the rest of investments, right? So it's a it, you know I think we have a few years here before anything happens. You know, with the the deficit and and um, but I think it's a great time still for you know it's a nice uh, a nice um, offset. It, it's a sleep easy. It's you know it's like we talked when we were kids and we were getting our savings accounts and you know you you put your money from your job and in, into your your bank and then you'd sh- 
put it into that savings account and every every time you took a look at it you could see you've earned another 10 cents or 20 cents or dollar or, and it adds up and, and then the other thing too that the, the part of the return from a bond that people often forget is that compounding interest that compounding effect so as the as your the amount that you have the value of your account increases so does the return so that that you know it's interest on interest and um, that's yeah I mean it's it's a good investment I think finally people should be taking a close look at bonds um, we certainly think we're in our sweet spot now um, still getting some good yield in um, in corporate bonds we had two bonds Tom that have that have done very well this week and one of them is one we've mentioned before Boston properties and before I even finished the name, people were saying, oh, you know, that's a you know, commercial real estate company. It is, but it's the cream of the crop of the commercial real estate company. So it's it's the Embarcadero in San Francisco. It's 399 Park Ave in New York. It's, it's the best locations. It's the seaport location in the Boston area. So they have not had any trouble filling these spaces because there are organizations, for example, law firms, um, and other companies that are going back to work. And those companies are generally the companies that have done very well, that have a good work ethic, that want to see people coming into the office. And, um, you know, Boston Partners has benefited, so their bonds mature tomorrow. Um, we're going to get the full coupon payment and interest payment. One other name that we've talked about in the past, sticking with the corporates, the company is called One Main Financial. It's ticker symbol OMF. But again here, we're buying the bonds, not the stock. And this was the old commercial credit, the old consumer finance division of Citibank. Um, this company, we, we've been buying their, you know, their bonds that mature in March at 8%. Now, now you can still get them probably at 7%. They're paying a nice fat six and an eighth coupon. And this is a company that has benefited from some of the problems with retail banks, the regional banks, I should say. Regional banks have been under pressure, have not been lending to people in the say 50,000 income bracket, but OMF, One Main Financial has, and they focus predominantly on that somewhat lower end of the income bracket. Rates are higher, but they're getting a lot of demand they called about half the bonds um, and they'll officially be called on September 15th. And the reason that's good news is that that shows that the company is paying attention to its balance sheet. So when they can call in bonds nine months early, um, that's a good sign. It means they have the cash. It means they're focused on their balance sheet. One other thing about One Main Financial, it's a finance company they can't afford to lose their credit rating. So in the environment, in this environment, they've done everything they can to dispose of some of the parts of their business, for example, auto loans, that have not been profitable for them and focus on the parts of their business that have been and will continue to be profitable like the consumer finance end. So that's, you know, that's another name. Um, they also have a bond of six and five eighths coupon uh, that matures in January of 2028, that bond is now paying eight and a half percent. 
not bad. You know, you think about the average return on stocks um, of being in between eight and ten percent. This is a this is a good solid company with a nice fat yield. Um, so, you know, I I would recommend it as part of the portfolio that. The stock had a really nice, I mean, the bonds had a really nice jump this week when they announced the call. And actually the stock had a nice jump as well. So so these are some ways of staying in the market, long-term investors, and not really having the exposure that you, you would have to this. What I, what I am observing, and I don't know about, no, know about you, Chief, but it just seems like this volatility in the strange rotation that we're seeing in the, um, equity market has made it tough for everyone to make money just as you, just as tech is becoming popular and everyone's jumping on it sells off just as industrials are becoming popular again it sells off but i do have some concerns about the equity market more so today than i have even over the last few weeks the hidden thing that's going on that well it's not necessarily hidden but the thing people aren't paying attention to Look at oil prices. Yeah. Look at gas prices at the pump. There's been a steady increase over the last six weeks. That doesn't just hit your wallet, you know, when you're when you're driving to work or driving to run your errands or taking a trip. It hits the wallet of any company that is delivering goods. And and that I think is gonna have a bigger impact. We had a the other thing we had a guest Dana uh last week. Uh it was uh I think it might have been uh, Professor Hal. Uh, there's there's some people that are, are thinking that uh, inflation is because the Fed is, despite what they say, they're not really fighting it. And a lot of stuff is just walking through the system, even like I, I keep talking about utility bills and stuff. And like you're saying, a lot of this stuff is becoming so embedded. You know, I think actually what we've just been talking about, the six-month bill at 5.5%, uh, I think you're probably slightly above the inflation rate right now, which is the first time you've been able to do that on risk-free money in, in 20 years or 15 years. So it, it's a huge positive, but you're not you're not gaining too much. You're, you're up you're up a little bit, I think. But I think that you know, given the size of the deficit and stuff, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see the Fed have to start pouring more money in, or else they're going to have to raise taxes, which nobody wants. Because you you can't you can't run like this at a thirty percent deficit every year. Even now the time times are allegedly good. Something has to happen here. I don't I don't know what it is. Whether it's more it downgrades, but but there, there's something in the wind stinks. And I I don't, I don't know why I can't I can't pinpoint the smell or where it's coming or what's going to happen. But it it just doesn't seem right. We, we, yeah, you know there's, there's I, these companies. I totally that, agree. I totally agree. And and I think the the. The, my observation and, and being absolutely not being a you know not being into the politics or just never really been my thing but the observation that I have whenever I hear the administrate the current administration speaking is it's like they're talking a different language they're talking about you know you've got a, a hurricane going on here in Florida you know the last week and I don't I don't know maybe maybe the president did mention something I don't think I heard because he was talking about to me what appear to be like some things that weren't as significant that were outside of the U.S. And I, th- to me, the observation has just been that we need to sort of raise some of the issues that are hap- happening here. You know, the obvious ones like the crime issues that you guys are experiencing in Chicago and to make those more priorities, sort of take care of our own first before going outside and trying to take care of the rest of the world. 
put on your mask, right? Isn't that what they tell you on the airplane? Yeah. Before you put it on the child next to you. And the impression I get of our current administration, it might be denial, it might be a lack of experience in our, you know, in our world, or it just might be, you know, hey, they have other, you know, their constituents want them to be focused on these other things. But what's really a shame is that there are things going on right here now that can be fixed or at least there can be attention given to them so they, they don't have as, you know, what, what they've referred to as this hard landing, that we don't have that, because that impacts everybody. And in, unfortunately, and you've mentioned this many times, and you're right on, the, right on the money when you say this, that there's been this divergence in those who have and those who don't. And it's very, very ironic in a, with the administration now that that divergence in income that divergence in, in, in wealth has actually exacerbated over the past few years. And that actually does have a negative impact on the country as a whole, or at least on certain sectors of, of our economy. So paying attention to things going on here, I think is, is really essential. And that might be part of what you're getting at. I'm not, you know, that something stinks. And at least to me, from the political point of view, there is something that stinks, it's just not, it's a lack of focus on those things that are important to the day-to-day person. I think that what it comes, this is maybe a, 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 it's not a political shout out, it's a, it's a behavioral science shout out. The people who are really struggling, I mean, when I say struggling, it's, it's not like, you know, they're out of a job. It's not like they're, uh, you know, kids can't get to school. It's not, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a third world kind of struggle. But every year, it's a little harder. Somebody's working a little more part-time. You know, the double family, or the double-income family is now doing, you know, tax returns on a Saturday. So somebody has two and a half jobs. Uh, there's, I, but I think um, in, in, in this world of who gets the press, I don't think those people, and I, I count you and us, you and me, and that's why we do this show. We like to have regular people at least have some sort of an outlet. Now, there's a million outlets, and... Who the hell knows how many people listen or care? But the fact is, uh, there's there is no outlet for the the person who you and I know that you know is making forty grand when they used to make thirty five and their expenses are up twenty. You know, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, where where we don't have there's no even though they're getting a little stronger, there's no other than public unions, which to me you might want to get rid of, but uh, there's no. Union presence in Washington, and I'm you know I'm aware of how the unions got a little bureaucratic and blah blah blah, but I also know that they just coincidentally their agenda matched up with maybe middle class America, maybe even lower class America. So at least there was some voice. Right now there is none. I think you take you take the people in the Supreme Court, you take the people in the Biden administration or the Trump administration, or. or anybody wandering around Congress, the people who are whose sons and daughters, and it's a harsh shot, that are clerks to those people, they're not. I'm not going to say they're not real America because they are real America, but they don't. They don't give a crap. There, there's nobody there that's looking where we're looking, and it's and I, as to how that ends, Dan. If, if there's ever a, a, you know, I hope it's not a bullet revolution. I gotta hope not. It's supposed to be a bill. How that ends. I see nothing in this coming election that's going to give anybody that choice. The 20% haters are going to go with Trump thinking that he's the only shot they have. And legitimate. And the reason why they feel that way is because they feel nobody else even, even can't stand the people they can't stand. 
you know, and and, and the, you know, Trump with all his flaws is still in their mind the only guy who even thinks the way they think. I don't think Trump thinks anything near what they think, but but they think they, yeah. that he does. And now you got on, on this side. I mean, does anybody think Biden should be running this country? For God's sake! I mean, and anybody who's competent wants no part of the job. So yeah, what, and, it's, and that's really kind of a sad sad place yeah. um, I think for the country to be that. There are some people out there, you know, that are that are younger, that have a really good energy. Um, that maybe they're not quite ready, but there there are some governors, current governors, I think, that do a really good job. Um, you know, there are some. I'm thinking more Republican governors who tend to know how to Republican governors who've been running um, predominantly Democratic states. You know, there was Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. There was Paul Hogan in Maryland. Um, the governor of, of Vermont is is a Republican. Um, I even like Christy Nome in, in South Dakota because she's really focused on economics. And somebody asked, you know, who I thought in the debate, who I liked in the debate, the debate the best. And I said, actually, the commercials with Christy Nome because she's talking about jobs and keeping taxes down and, you know, creating an environment in her state that's good for families that's good for individuals that's good for business and not, none of the other bs just like focusing on those those very basic um but important things she might be and providing that with a sense of patriotism and a sense of community um that all are welcome so i, I love all I think, that but you know what just like the, t the two guys at the end of the, of the of the thing one guy's talking about his his incredible progress in arkansas Dan, it's still Arkansas. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you you plunk her. I mean, I, I'm not at all happy with the new mayor here in Chicago. You plunk her in Illinois or in Chicago. Now let's see what you got. Here, here's here's where problems are right. In, what are the problems in, in Dakota, for God's sake? I mean, I'm sure there are some, but I mean, it's you know. I'm, yeah, but if you're if you're trying to attract people from other places that haven't been happy, um, you know, that people who now can work remotely, or you know, they have a couple of good companies. Um, at the conference, I met with a company called Dactronics, and if you think of stadium seating, stemming stadium lighting, uh, and displays that you see at at all the sports arenas and and um, football stadiums, um, they have market share. That's their business. They're based in a small town called Brookings. South Dakota, very well run company, stock symbol D-A-K-T. I'm just saying that sometimes we have to look at these places that are outside of the, you know, and that's kind of the way we do business, right? We look for names that aren't on everybody's radar screen and we look outside of areas that, you know, really may be under the most pressure or have the most issues. And, and again, it's a, that's a quality of life decision. But if we transfer that to the investment world, Rather than chasing after all these stocks that are, you know, running at thirty and forty times revenue, um, that really don't have much in the way of earnings, why don't we look for some of those, why do you those, those names stocks? that haven't been followed widely and, and maybe offer a good long term value? Dan, you're 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 very unpopular in what you just said. We want them because they're going up. <laughs> right? They, well, since, yeah, since, but they, how far do they go up? That's, they, that's well, my some point. of them going I mean, up. Some you know, as an individual, far. as a listener, everyone is going to say, yeah, okay, I bought it and it went up, but now what do I do because it just dropped 30%? Well, yeah, but so, I, 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 you know you know, I'm with you, tongue-in-cheek here, but why, yes. why does anybody like NVIDIA? Nobody even knows what they do, Dan. Nobody cares. It goes, it's going up. 
and and all and it's a steady drum beat all day long from Kramer and everybody else. How it's going to go to if it's six hundred, it's going to seven hundred. If seven hundred, it's going to eight hundred. You know, I mean, you can be as cynical about the business as I can. I mean, obviously we're not cynical about it because we're in it and we're trying to help people, and we've been doing it our whole life. You know damn well that if the two of us came out today and say, because I don't do this, if I ever did it once, probably maybe somebody actually believe me, we got this outfit from Ecuador, and boy, these turtle legs. You wouldn't believe how much these things are going for, and we got a, an ETF for turtle eggs. We'd sell them tomorrow as long as as we show them a chart and it's going up. Nobody cares what it is. You know that. That's true. I definitely I, I agree. I, I don't fall. I'm not. You know, obviously, I don't fall in that camp because I don't tend to follow the crowd. Anyways, that wouldn't be my my thing unless <clears throat> unless it has to do with buying. Um, you know, something that people have had success with, or or that's made their life easier, or or. You know, and usually I let I let other people try it out first. But when it comes to, it's very different when it comes to buying stocks and and investments because this is money that is there for retirement. This is money that you're, you know, it. If you decide to take five or ten percent of your portfolio and play with those names, I will tell my clients go ahead and do it. Oh, but I'm not going to yeah. do it for you because that's not our area of specialty. Our area of specialty is income focused predominantly on the fixed income side, high yield bonds, um, dividend paying stocks, um, some smaller companies. But that being said, we are actually moving out. We have used this past week as a chance to take some of the equity position off. Because as the year goes on, think we got September in front of us, right? September and October are tough months in our market. We also have a lot of people on vacation this week. So take advantage of the fact that the market is creeping up here and trim your positions. Don't sell them all, you know, all out, you know, just don't don't sell the whole position if you like the stock, but say, you know, sell 10 or 15% of it in here and kind of and realize that some of those gains and take off a little bit of the risk. And when I say risk, I'm talking about this momentum risk. Look at the valuations of these companies and where they're trading now, where they you know where they they were trading five years ago. Dan, you want me to uh, sell my winners when everybody else says it's going to keep going up? You sell your winners. That's the discipline in our business. And you don't have yep. to. You don't sell the entire position, but you trim. Yep. And if nothing else, rebalance. It's at the end of the month. We're literally at the end of the month today. Uh, we'll be at the end of the quarter at the end of September. That's the time to even things out. My call, and it's not just because it's my area of expertise. Put more money into bonds because there's a chance of making bonds, chance of making more money in fixed income in the foreseeable future. Higher rates, um, short term with higher rates, and then at some point we're going to see the yield curve shift. That's part of what happens in the cycle, and we're going to see more demand. The demand can come from people being concerned, or it can come from people wanting the extra yield to lock in that extra yield. So we have. Money coming into the market as time goes on here. Money coming out of the equity market, and I just wouldn't want to be stuck with the, you know, the, the chair that uh, <laughs> that musical chairs game, and there's yeah. no chairs yeah. left. So well, you know what you say is absolutely true. Yet it's about as popular as saying, you know, one or two nights a week instead of going in the saloon, you should be the guy jogging by the saloon. You know, it, it, nobody wants to hear that, right? Right, you know, you're you no, know, you're absolutely right, and this isn't necessarily what people want to hear, and they'll still go back to, you know, I missed out of another five percent. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But my, but my thing is, if you're getting eight and a half percent in a portfolio, you're not going to have. First of all, you'll sleep easier, and then you have more time to focus on on other things. 
Uh, and then secondly, you have to really consider what your goals are. So take that 10% of your portfolio and, and you know, in, invest in the tech names and the biotech names that you like and, you know, the one-offs and the, you know, the, you know, international names that you, that you think are going to do well. Um, and let the rest of that money be earning 8% so that you're not going to end up in a situation where, you know, the market environment turns liquidity dries up and you're stuck. Um, so that's the, uh, especially if you're at, at or if you're approaching or in uh, retirement, that this is not the time to be, um, as, as somebody said, go to the casino with, uh, with, with 100 you. bucks, what, if uh, that's really what you want to do. But that's not the stock market. What uh, We've had a couple guys this week. And by the way, I, it, it, is, it is incredibly difficult to deal with the equity stuff now because things go flying down and people want out. And if you do anything with the option side, I mean, we've been doing really well with the put side because we run down, we roll the puts down, and yes. stuff runs back up. But we've been really struggling on the call side because we did stuff uh, last week, like in the queues. We 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 did the uh, the thing was like what it was three sixty something, and uh, like five hours out of the money, we did like a, a three dollar repair, and and we're in the money on the three dollar repair. There was three hours out of the money before we even did it. I mean, I mean we're talking about. These kind of moves, of course, the world has changed now. These kind of moves are not really something you would consider in, in a bull market. These are these these Absolutely. are. Like, but the thing that uh, Hal brought up the other day, and I, I'm glad I remember because I wanted to ask you, is is there a chance? You know, I mean, one of one of two things is going to. Well, I guess maybe one of three things. You've got this balloon uh, federal deficit. They gave all the money to the states, but now the states probably have spent most of it. The, the savings of individual people during the pandemic when they sent out all those checks and all that stuff and you know if you use an average there's people that own restaurants all of a sudden got like hundreds of thousands of dollar checks whether they deserved or didn't it was in the law uh, the savings balloon to sub, uh, such an extent and I've, I've uh, read last week or this week that now people's savings are lower than they were they went from the highest on record all that money's gone out of people's savings yep. on average. Now, I'm sure some people got a real bunch of money still have some. Um, we have this deficit. What the government, I hate like how the trade looking at the government, but we, we're sort of locked into this, Dan. What the government decides to do at this point, they're either going to find a way to borrow more to pay for this deficit that's going up because the interest rates are going up. They're taking it right with them. Uh, they're going to find a way to borrow more, which is going to drive rates higher even. Okay, maybe 8%, 10%, I'm sure as I hope not. Or they're going to decide um, to spend less, which I don't see happening. Uh, or we're going to, they're going to turn to the Fed again, and the Fed's going to print money to carry us over this short-term blip, which has lasted for 20 years, right? So if that happens again, you really don't want to be out more than six months on these bonds. The professor the other day was saying, he goes, I see that if they really screw this up, Monumentally, which they're liable to do, we could be talking ten percent interest. Yeah, I, and I think we're going to see higher rates. I, I I absolutely agree agree with him. And again, going back to my comment, and it's really a, a blanket comment, which I, which I know you agree with as well. It's just that I think the administration is focused on the wrong things when it comes to our end of the business, and that means the economy. You know, the financial markets don't have to be their priority, but the economy does. And I don't see the the interest, the focus, um, the priority 
in these areas. I, I see them as being kind of brushed aside as something that's not important, and then they sort of creep up on you as, you know, and, and, and when it's too late. And, and so I do agree, and that's some of the reason I'm saying lighten up a little bit in the equity side here, take a little bit of risk off why the market has got a good tone to it. Um, this is the time to do that. I would, say, Dan, I, I would say, Dan, before you make your last comment, that the reason why that is, everything is perfectly okay for them. And they don't. And they stay away from any regular people. Yeah, I mean that's true. They're in a different world. You know, they have really great retirement benefits. They're taken care, well taken care of, and all that. And yeah, the, the most of the rest of us, especially those of us who run our own businesses, have to pay our, pay for our own health insurance and and you know kind of deal with with the day to day issues because we don't have somebody giving us a free lunch. And we're generally working longer hours. Not generally, we always are. So, <laughs> and that's great because we love what we do. So I'm more than happy. I love what I do. So I think because we love what we do, it isn't work, but we enjoy it. But um, we don't. We don't. Think we don't want to. Like, we don't like fighting our own government to do good for our clients, which is what I we're totally, doing. Absolutely agree with you on that. Absolutely. Um, to end on a, a somewhat positive note, um, we have a, the greatest capital fixed income fund is offered at interactive advisors we've dropped the minimum to 100 it is the only fixed income fund that is offered at interactive advisors interactive advisors is the asset management arm of interactive brokers and it's a pure fixed income fund it's uh, risk adjusted returns are, are very strong it's been around for seven years and one other thing that we're doing that I think it was spoken about at, at the conference um, by a um, presenter last week in Chicago, and but it's something that we started doing about a month ago, and that's managing 401k and other employer retirement plans for our clients and prospective clients. So we are now able to make the decisions for those clients that say are doctors or or engineers who don't have time to watch the markets and all of a sudden the markets are are looking toppy but they don't know you know they might make changes to their allocation in their 401k once once a quarter but that's now they have the opportunity to do to let us make those decisions on a daily basis so this is a new that's um, great, trend by the One way the is it, we'll talk more about that next week by the way as a shameless plug you hear the commercials on here about PTI Pro Direct that we clear that through IB. So if you want to be a PTI Pro Direct client, we would have access to Dan's stuff at IB. Correct, Dan? Yes, absolutely. So if, if you want, you can you can do some of your stock stuff through PTI Pro Direct, and if you want to put a chunk of it or all of it in Dan's funds, you can do it through us. So just saying. Dan, thank you very much, buddy. Have a, you got a big three-day weekend planned? Are you out on the yacht? What are you doing? Are you dodging hurricanes? Um, we're, do, we're doing a boat. I'm taking the boat out on, on Monday. Uh, now that the storm has passed, the weather looks nice the next few days, so we're going to get outside and enjoy it. Well, you could run up to Tampa, throw a rope around some boat <clears> on the beach, and tow one back with you. Well, I'll actually be, do, be doing that next week when I see the Rays and the and the Sox and the Red Sox uh, play. So um, I'll be up there next week for a Good few days. for SP Futures up 13. Uh, the golf is so hot. What does it take? Three days for a hurricane to fire up? No, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Talk to you next week. SP Futures up 13. Nancy Futures up 25. Be right back with John Flanagan. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. You got a pool over there? We have a pond in the back. We have a pool and a pond. A pond would be good for you. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord, more stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Al. We get Greg Pappas on the board. Look at these numbers now. Consumer spending up 0.6 percent. Uh, consumer income uh, income up 0.2 percent. Well, that that's sort of a problem. And then the PCE they claim is uh, up 0.2 percent month over month. So uh, I don't know about that one. But that's uh, those numbers. They're not they're not showing people get getting ahead. It shows people spending more than they're making, uh, which I think is a lot of what people think is happening. They just see credit card debt shooting up and everything else. So I don't know how long that can last. Uh, we like to think the future is better, but at some point you say, "We don't. Okay, I got to stop doing this." SP futures up 13. As, um, I'm sorry, up yeah, 13 and a quarter. And futures up 22. Dow futures up 186. The jump in the Dow is because Salesforce is up almost 14 bucks at six and a half percent, and they are in the Dow, so that's going to be uh, well, 14 points. It's got to be like six or seven multiplier. So let's say it's about a hundred hundred points of the Dow is in uh, Salesforce. Uh, so there you have it. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, Dax down up 124.8%. That's higher. Puts uh, up 14.2%. Kick around up 9.1%. Someday, instead of looking at the data on TV, you got to look at the prices you're paying. I'm just saying. I mean, one something you might get a different view. Maybe you won't. UK up 285.9%. Hang Seng down 100.6%. Shanghai down 176 So mixed bag over there. Nikkei goes with the rest of the world these days. China does not. Uh, don't know what all of that's all about, but uh, yesterday the Dow was up 37, S&P up 17, Nasdaq futures up 75. That was yesterday. Update, not as, as big as we've been to the upside. We'll see today whether we continue to go up or whether we, you know, we stall out here. Uh, 
the Pines. They're only down one basis point now, 4.10. They were down more earlier. The Bund down four basis points, 2.49. Japan down one at 0.64. We've got oil continuing to creep to the upside, 0.73, 73 cents. 82.36, Brent up 74 cents, 86.60. Natural gas down a penny, 2.77. Our Bob up 2 cents, 2.83. We've got gold up 40 cents. Uh, so continuing, that, that's fallen off here from the 1973 number as it's quietly creeping towards 2000. Uh, silver down 12 cents, 24.98. Again, over 25 bucks it was met with selling. Uh, copper down 1 cent, 376. It'd be interesting to see if silver breaks through here. Uh, we got Bitcoin uh, down 40 bucks, 27,201 after the big run up on the, on the court case decision. Uh, but it's still down from the 30,000 it was for a while, like a couple of months ago. The euro is, uh, well, the euro and the, and the pound are both uh, down. The dollar is stronger today by almost a half a percent. Euro is down to 108.7, and the pound is down to 126.7. So, strong dollar today so far. Greg, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. And what's the latest on the shooting at Saks Park? <laughs> Your story has now been, uh, now it's not true. The lawyer says it's not true. Yeah, lots of controversy. Anyways, morning everyone, 7.39 a.m. Chicago, we've got 62 degrees right now. 74 today, nice, brilliant sunshine. Sunny today in Phoenix, 90 right now, about 108 today. However, heat warning, asthma warning, and thunderstorms tonight. Traffic, Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 30 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, about 60 minutes. The Ike, Wolf to the interchange, 43 minutes. Dan Ryan, the locals, 95th to the interchange, 35 minutes. Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan, 43 minutes. And the Bishop Ford, I-80 to the interchange, 26 minutes. Sports, White Sox win in Baltimore, 10 to 5. Cubs beat the Brewers, 3 to 2 at Wrigley. And Diamondbacks shut out by the Dodgers, 0 to 7. That's all I got, Chief. Dodgers look really strong lately, don't they? <laughs> yeah. The, uh... Yeah, the uh, Dodgers and the Braves are probably strongest heading in. Oh yeah. Anyway, that's uh, all I got. We have Mr. Flanagan. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Good. Yourself? Uh, I'm doing fine. So are you the attorney representing the lady accused of having the gun in her chub folds? Belly fat? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they'll have to combine this into some kind of belly dancing routine, Todd. Well, yes, yesterday the joke was that when, they, when the nacho planted land, platter landed, uh, the gun went off. But now they're saying it's totally untrue, that now it might be an off-duty cop gun went off or something. Now, this, can you believe this was in the third inning of a game? Nobody knew nothing. They didn't decide whether to stop the game because of panic there or not. Doesn't seem to be any procedures whatsoever. And here we are almost a week later, and nobody knows nothing. Well, I guess it kind of feeds into the, you know, all the controversy with, you know, the state's attorneys who don't want to bring charges you know, unless they've got an absolutely airtight case with DNA and video and everything else. But th- this shows, you know, that there's something seriously wrong where you can't, you know, it, shot spotters have been discredited, you know, that they, you know, the police, you know, are being discouraged from using those or prohibited from using them. But even with a shot spotter, I don't know if we can always determine what we'd like to know. You, you put a crowd of people together, um, and you'll always get conflicting, you know, vantage points and testimony about what really happened. But even something like, you know, a couple gunshots can't be pinned down. Well, I don't know. I think it's it, pretty busy. Well, I mean, you, where, you do have the possibility of one landed. First, it was from out of the park. Then it wasn't from out of the park. And now it might be out of the park again. I, I just, are, are, are people 
uh, you know, I mean, actually, one of the guys I played soft, plays. Well, when I played more, I guy's a good friend, a softball player, good good player by the way. Uh, he just made lieutenant. You know, and I'm I'm real happy for him. He's a good guy. A lot of the guys we play with, and my brother still does every Sunday. There's you know four, five, six coppers there, and one of the guys who's older is a a wounded copper, a guy who had a, a shotgun, a shot a fire, and he's kind of messed up even to this day. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 a great group. I, I just I, I just wish John they were they were better led. I wish they were better supported. I think we actually could have a terrific police force, but I, not the way they're doing it. I I don't see what they're doing. I mean, it's it's I can't believe what the morale's like there. I know a couple of people. Uh, one of uh, Audrey's best friend and my, one of my friends, her nephew is on a police force. Now the kid comes back from I don't know how many tours in Afghanistan. He's a Marine sniper and a whole bit, and he can't wait to get on a police force. And now he's quit. Uh, you know, my niece's uh, guy, their boyfriend, uh, I've known the dude forever, really good softball player, not that that, um, and he's a paramedic, and he was, uh, he'd worked for a bunch of the suburban places, finally uh, gets on the Chicago force, is so proud, he, he comes number one through the school, because evidently his mother was one of the first lady firefighters, and she went like one through the school years ago. So, of course, he wanted to make sure he did as well as mom. He, he was on the job, I don't know, I'm going to say, John, 18 months. And he, he went back to the suburbs. He goes, I, I can't deal with this. He goes, my, 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 and he, he's a nice guy. And my, my niece says his whole, whole personality changed. You know, he just, I mean, we're talking about uh, huge people on, you know, on the third floor, and, and his partner is a, Hundred pound young lady, and he's have, he hurts his back lugging one of these people down. I mean, it, it's it, and there's 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 shot, shot shot fired all over the place. You go in these apartments, and they're disgusting. I mean, because it's you can't even you can't do that. I mean, there's you know and I and you know and Dan Janitas was saying that you know the lady from wherever else she is South Dakota, North Dakota. You know what, John? She might be stone cold brilliant. I don't think she has a clue of what these people are up against here. I mean, it's a whole. It's a, well, it's not just what they what they're up against, Tom, but it's what they're forced to endure. Yeah. By by the powers that be. I mean, in what when what kind of environment, like the one we have now, would anybody think is a good idea to turn police district headquarters into refugee camps, uh, well, like they it's, have? It's it, they've always been sort of a, a homeless shelter on cold nights. I mean, the one on Chicago Avenue always was. There was always you know, trip, you're tripping over people walking in the vestibule. Because they never kick people back out in the street, but these—I mean—you look around here and you talk about the homeless. Somebody, the fact is, Jen, there is a bleep load of people in this country that don't have a job, don't have a place to live, and are on drugs. And there's got to be some sort of a solution other than ignoring it. I mean, you, you, we got to fix this. <laughs> when I say we, I know it's an, an incredible job to do, but how do you not do it? Just watch it gets worse every day. I mean. It, there's got to be some combination of people in this country that are smart enough to turn this bus around at least a little. We don't. Well, if I were a cynic, Tom, I would say, well, why don't we put, you know, the migrants who are arriving here in the schools because the teachers aren't performing much of a job anyway, it appear to me, and just give them one more, you know, babysitting test to do during school hours and find some other way of taking care of them at night. I, I don't think parents would stand for that. Certainly teachers wouldn't stand for it, nor nor should they be forced to endure that. But why do we expect the police 
to turn their headquarters into something where they got to step over people to get to their desk. Well, I, I, I don't, the bathrooms I don't, I'm are constantly you. malfunctioning. Right? We wouldn't expect that of, of any public servant, I guess. It's certainly one we value or need it. But why the police have ended up as being, you know, the repository for these people. Is I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either. But it's I, sure sign of just how fall, low we've fallen. I, I'm, I have a totally different. Maybe it's maybe it's naivety. I, I think the the refugee problem uh, to the extent to the extent that uh, you have I, I'd I'd grab an old school in places where nobody even lives anymore in the city. And there's a bunch of them, and I have a feeling that if you had some sort of of training there and, and had some sort of a whether it's domestic help, whether it's landscaping, whatever it is, I think you get people working the next day out of that group. I, I, I'm not so sure if you go under a bridge and everybody's on drugs. Now everybody isn't, I'm sure, probably. I think you got a much bigger challenge there than you do putting somebody's migrants to work. I mean, hell, the people, you know, m- most of them, I, I, that's my impression. Not that it isn't a problem, it is. I, I think the people down here that are just wandering around like zombies are a bigger problem in terms of being able to, to get I have a feeling if you bring those people in from the, I don't know, but I'm sure there's some on the border are in real trouble, but a regular group, if, if, you, if you put 20 guys on a van tomorrow, I think you're doing some landscaping work, and that's not demeaning work. It's good work. I think they're ready to work tomorrow. I don't think these people down here are. I think this is a bigger problem. That's that's my. You have a different opinion, but I mean, it's both an issue. I'm with you, but I think this issue's. I mean, what did Dr. Blade say? Some of these people are month, two months away, being able to work one day. If you're if you've been laying under a bridge, malnourished, and doing drugs every day, what's what's the? Plus, some of these drugs are so strong. We're not talking about getting off booze. And if you're if you're in uh, you know crack cocaine, I don't know that your body comes back from that at age forty, does it? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, your teeth are falling. I mean, we're we're not we're not talking about long, yeah. yeah we're, you know we're not we're not talking about being on a bender for a couple of weeks, where you know you sober somebody up and at least physically they're back pretty much okay. You might have destroyed a few things along the way, but I mean, I, I don't know what what do you do with all these? I can't get over the age of the people, Chad. I mean, I, 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 yes, the, the, we, we don't need the, the, the migrant people on top of the other mess. But if we didn't have this other mess, this migrant stuff, I think it's pretty, those, those, those people, I think, are willing to work tomorrow. I, you know, I would beg to differ, Tom. I think we, we have no system for tracking if they will work, where they end up, how they got here, whether they're really refugees or are they being, you know, paid or enslaved by somebody who got them across the border in the first place and by being a sanctuary city which you know you and I never had an opportunity to vote for directly but the city council spoke for us and said yes we are and and to invite people in willy nilly and now realize oh oh, maybe we should be planning how we're going to utilize these people or where we're going to house them and you know two more shelters have have opened up which I'm sure are going to destroy the Middlesex values of the properties around them, and nobody maybe voted for that, you know, in their backyards, but they got it anyway. Um, th- this is this to me is the last thing. We sh- the reason we're doing it at all shows that we've thrown in the towel on everything else. We don't care if our police force has a functioning headquarters. And it's this. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't think, want it to have. I don't think they want. I don't think they want it to. Uh, but you know, it goes back. No matter how far you want to go back, John and I. Again, I, I, uh, a lot of my opinions are forged by, by the numbers. I remember, uh, you know, 9-11. And I remember the stuff, well, I mean, a lot of people remember 9-11. And the idea of uh, what happens if there's a problem. What was, the, what was the big episode we had where we were trying to figure out uh, 
Um, what, what if there's a, a dirty bomb in a city? What about this? What about that? All this homeland security, all this stuff we're supposed to have. And yet, I don't see any place. I mean, if, if they did all the stuff that they, they said they were going to do, now, I would have I guessed, now, if, th- if this was me, um, and, I, you know, even though you'd argue with me the whole way, you'd probably be pretty close. If this was me, and if something really awful happened in Chicago, be it I, maybe it's a, somebody drops a dirty bomb, somebody drops a, a load of smallpox or some God knows what, any kind of crap like that, you would think that instead of closing Rantoul and closing something-something, that you would have a place that's just ready to take in 10, 15, 20,000 people, 40,000 people in a huge emergency, and you'd have a plan in place to take every commuter rail car on a, on a Saturday morning, every bus where you could actually evacuate 50,000 people out of Chicago into three or four of these places where there's there's uh, food, there's cots, there's stuff pre-positioned. We don't have any of that, and yet we spent all the dough. I mean, I, I remember being in the schools... And you got to be older for this. I, Greg, have you ever seen a? Did you ever see a sign that said "Fallout Shelter"? I you, don't think so. Well, they used to have them all over the place. But the idea like was my grade school was one time. Yeah, the signs all over the place. You're supposed to go to the school. Well, I was in the basement. Well, Jan, I was key personnel at some of these public schools. It had a key to the fallout shelter rooms. So of course, one day I use my key. I go in. It was unbelievable. Every, I mean, I'm, I, I'm glad it didn't happen. The subways. It would say "Fallout Shelter." 150 people in a real big school. You'd go down there, there's 150 cots. There's boxes and boxes of those wafers. <laughs> I never opened up and tasted one of those. Boxes and boxes of water. There's blankets. There's, there's, there's stuff there for 150 people to live for 30 days. And they were all stocked. They were all there. You, if, it, if really bad stuff happened, you could have done it. But at least when Congress passed the bill... I'd say it was a good idea, a bad idea. At least you could say that's what they said they wanted to do, and there you were. How many, how many cats you suppose were buried in the subways? Thousands. I mean, I mean it, the stuff. Now we, but now we passed this homeland security bill. What did we spend it on? Nothing. Okay, if you say tomorrow, uh, forty thousand people are be affected downtown Chicago by a dirty bomb. What are we going to do? They'd look at you and say, "Huh? Yeah, but we just spent billions and billions on something. What did we spend it on?" I mean, we should the city of Chicago should be able to handle two thousand refugees. What if it was any other kind of emergency, Jen? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you on how many no, are here. No, you're right. We should be able to we should be able to handle challenges much bigger than yeah. this. I mean, but it shows how little thinking has been done about any challenge, let alone the ones that were you know inviting and and facilitating and enabling by our inaction, and you know. To call yourself a sanctuary city and to have no game plan for it is is just it's not even the height of stupidity. It's, it's unfair to everybody. It's if, most unfair now to the police and the people there. I agree, to but I'm, I'm going to ask you in 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 our day, it's still hopefully our day, uh, when when the city was was middle class, vibrant, and reached about everybody's work and they wanted to. And I mean, a lot of, when I say that, most family had one breadwinner. Uh, was middle class, vibrant. Pick, pick a date, 1965. Do you think dropping 10,000 people from another country on this city would have been any problem whatsoever? I'm not talking about well, the drugs. We, never even, Stephen, what? We, we never even noticed they were there. We never even noticed they were here. I mean, school, I mean the Catholic schools that take her to the churches that take in some, some would take in some, some would take Six months later, you wouldn't even know they were here. 
now now we can't deal with anything it seems to me Tom, I, re- I remember you know various places my family lived or I lived um, where there were continually populations that had arrived that people in Chicago had not seen before were, you know we're not familiar with and they were resettled you know whether it was during World War two after World War two um, when I lived in Rogers Park in the late 70s and early 80s uh, there was an explosion of you know emigre Russian Jews yep. who had left you know the Soviet Union and were living in I, I assume some kind of subsidized housing in, in the building I lived in and other buildings in the neighborhood and these people hung out together and you know shopped at the jewel but they were dressed you know just like they had arrived from the set of fit around the roof it was unbelievable how oh, yeah. out of touch they seemed and yet I bet all of those people now have moved on to other places to the suburbs, you know, their children have been, everything has kind of like gone, you know, away. There's, there's not any kind of sense that there's huge numbers of such people in concentrations like there used to be. Then there and, was those Irish people. Well, I mean, the, who, who the, wanted the, us? The, you know, the, the churches and yeah. you know, social service agencies were entrusted with this and, and you know, given charge of it to, to a great extent too. And you had the ability to kind of p- give people dignified housing. And also, you know, make sure that they had a support network with language training and everything else, so that they didn't become victimized or, or a drag on society or despised by the people that they were living among. And it, it worked. You know, there's all you know waves of Japanese resettled people, um, Appalachians, yeah. um, Native Americans. Uptown is an example of this. It's been a continual flow for the last 60, 70 years or more. Of, of populations that had been dispersed or w- for whatever reason needed to be resettled and you know it's, it's kind of held uptown back until recently I think because it never really became a desirable living space for people who were on, on you know the road to prosperity but it didn't become a hellhole either and you know, now we've got neighborhoods that are becoming hellholes and I, I just think we, we can't do what we're trying to do, and we've lost the playbook on how to do this more intelligently, or we've willingly thrown it away, and now we expect everybody, including the police force, to just pitch in and add this to the list of things that you have to do, because we don't know what to do, and that's just BS. Well, the average, the average, like the average, this is going to take a shout out, but the average person, now you, Jen, uh, for those that don't know, Jen is a, an expert on, like, censuses and stuff, and I, I, uh, kind of, I got a couple minutes here, I'll tell this uh, quick story. Uh, one day I get a, a call from a, my brother. Got an email actually from a lady who does a lot of uh, uh, what do you call it? Ancestry stuff. Well, she find, there's a site that has my that has that tries to match people up with their their uh, war uh, ribbons and medals and stuff uh, to the family if people die and, and they don't know where that was. Anyway, my, the idea is this, this place had my uncles. Uh, what do you get when you get wounded? Uh, the uh, what's the purple one? heart? Purple heart. Well, you, you, you get you get a purple heart if you get shot in the butax, as uh, as they said in the movie, or you get a purple heart if you're dead. Well, my uncle's dead, so it's the same metal. Uh, it doesn't doesn't you don't get like an oak leaf cruster if you don't anyway. But so anyway, we find the metal and we we you know get it from these people, and it turns out she's one of these ancestry people, and and the connection between her and and my family is uh, somebody 
in Ellis Island said that their their reference here in the U.S. where they were going to go to was my grandmother, uh, named How Marie. Well, what the, was her last name? Well, the last name was How. Anyway, so they, they that person went to her place. Now she's her husband was dead. She's got four kids in this little tiny house, and somebody piles in. Well, that's what they used to do in those days. And I'll bet you it didn't take a week before somebody in the neighborhood found the guy a job someplace, even if it's you know somewhere in the stockyards, and he was contributing. I don't think he laid around on the, on the sofa watching TV. There wasn't any TV. I'll bet he was working within three, four days, even, even without knowing the language. They found a spot for him. It was people just... People got here. They took care. Of, I'm not saying people show up up their doors to somebody. But I'm saying that 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 was done, John. It's, it's one of the reasons why people got here and it, they all assimilated as quick as they did, right? I mean, if, if if you're sitting here and you're the Flanagans and you got a house, and all of a sudden, you know, Joe Flanagan comes over from Ireland and he, he gave your name as a reference, not even answer, ask you, guess what? He's in, right? <laughs> you're, hey, I better move over. I'm gonna get a twin bed in this room. Uh, you know, I mean. It, that's the way a lot of it was just community stuff. And now we don't want to even take care of our parents, most of other people, right? In this day and age, it appears. For some no, people. people had to be, you know, able to be listed as sponsors. You know, you had to give your destination, at least starting in the 1890s, an, uh, an address where you were headed in the States. And who, who that person, by name and the address, such that this person could be contacted to verify that you really knew about this person and you weren't just blowing smoke. And, and, you know, these people that maybe housed for a while with these relatives or they had a job already lined up before they got here or they had people networking for them here. And it was, it, 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 you know, hindsight now, it looks pretty seamless that this wor- worked in a way that, you know, made it possible for people to right away hit the ground running. I just don't see any interest in doing that for people now. It's totally unfair to the people we're luring here and even more unfair to the people we're expecting to babysit them. I, I'm just appalled by it. Totally appalled. I am, I am too. I mean, it, there's there's no organization anywhere. I mean, it, and it's I mean, it, you know, as we select our leaders, I think whoever we select at least ought to have some kind of a stab or a plan to try something to fix some of this stuff. And we know out of five plans, two of them are going to suck basically. But you shouldn't. I look at it. It's, it's like a trade, Jan. I mean, if you see see something that looks good and it's in your risk parameters. You pull the trigger and you do it, and if it doesn't work out, you try and fix it as best you can and and, and work it its way into a break even or, or, or you know or whatever. You, I mean, the idea is there is more winners than losers. This, this but and now everybody has to suffer. Yeah, people have to suffer because their police are non-responsive. Their their you know livelihood is being threatened by people who are coming here and expecting jobs that other people are expecting too. We have no sense of, of who's got priority here or who should get in line and who's first in line and who's last in line. It's all just one big mess. But you know, Jan, we have neighborhoods in this town uh, and we talk about the different nationalities that are here and different races and whatever. You know, it's politically incorrect to say that there's some neighborhoods here that are struggling that if you pulled up with a, a small bus, that meaning the small bus to school, and say uh, work today, 30 bucks an hour, they're fighting to get at it. And there's other neighborhoods nobody wants any part of it doesn't pay as much as the drug trade why would I ever do that I've never people have never worked a day in their life I mean we have we have problems that go deeper than just the politicians we have problems in family and well, it, we have a, an untrained workforce Tom's yeah. graduated with straight A's from our school system that can't hold a job of any kind well, you can't see. hold it because you don't want one 
But well, there are people that are not qualified. Well, there are people that are. You don't want it because you can't do it. That's what, why. What what job would half of these alleged community organizers be qualified to do? What job have they ever had? I'm, well, not, I'm talking if about. They're a community organizer. They're like a labor organizer, like Brandon Johnson. And 120 years ago, that meant you won't went out and broke the legs of people who didn't join the union. So you know that that doesn't. Well, but I mean a lot. But the, but I guess what I'm saying is, it's not like all these people have. I mean, the different when Karen Reeves was on here, Karen said always had a job, and her and her when she was working for people in those areas, as I guess she was somewhat of an organizer. So the idea at the end of the program was to have a job and show up someplace eight hours a day. It's it's not just to learn how to raise money from other people. I mean, I mean, the, in her group, they were working with people with the idea at the end of six weeks you're going to go to work for that company and that job. That a lot of a lot of these programs, there's no job at the end of the rainbow. There's just money from somewhere else and God knows what else. I mean, I don't know where that all comes from. Just a final note, Tom. John Cass had a great column yesterday, the day before, about Denise Hugolet um, and how she's you know one of these unsung victims of gang warfare that nobody wants to mention or talk about or think about. And you know, it's it's a very poignant and, and you know, infuriating column. But I recommend it to you and your listeners. Um, I got to take a minute here. We have a talk about a, a family note, Jan, a real crummy one actually. Um, my uh, cousin. We ended up moving down to anyway, the brief thing. That's basically, my story is the Vietnam War just keeps on giving because his son just died of an overdose this week. And this was one of these situations where my cousin enlisted early, did three tours in them, was in a, a, a group that out of 30 people, he was one of three survivors, so he was kind of messed up. He comes back here, he's in a military hospital out on weekends. He was a guy that you didn't want to mess with. He was a boxer in the Marines and a wrestling champion. You know, anyway, three guys kind of jump him. Didn't work out well for the three guys, and now he's in jail. And the Army doesn't even represent him. They don't do anything. They're the Marines. So now he doesn't get a good discharge, and uh, he's got a record. So he comes back here, and it's one one job after another, but bouncer this, bouncer that, out in Lions or someplace. Finally gets married, moves to Texas. He dies early of, of cancer, God knows what, between Vietnam and smoking and whatever else, and his two kids are real problems, and one of them just OD'd. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's the war that keeps on giving, doesn't it? It never ends. It, these things did not go away, Tom. No. They just get kicked into the next generation. But it's, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I haven't seen the kid. He's probably 40 years old. I probably, I, I bet the last time I saw him, he was six, you know. But So, I mean, I wouldn't know if he walked down the street. But still, it just all stems from... The Vietnam experience and uh, the whole mess and how uh, the army treated him afterward and uh, you know I don't without the, the discharge you didn't even get any, any money for being disabled I mean it was just a whole mess a whole mess and uh, how many people like that are were uh, most of them I guess thank God are not still around right because if you're that messed up you're probably not here because he would have been seventy six ish you know that whole group. I mean, I, I'm glad this current generation never had to go through that. I mean, they, well, Afghanistan, there's a lot of people there, too. It's not like there was none of that. But uh, Nam was seemingly kind of especially horrible, wasn't it? And the, the turning away from veterans when they came back. Oh, yeah. Was just one brutal. of the shameful things. Anyway, John, thank well, you very blaming much. Blaming them for RMLAs. Who knows? Maybe I'll see you one of these days. Three-day weekend. SB, SB Futures up six. Nasdaq Futures now down nine. Wow, we've turned a little bit here. Back uh, tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks.
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.